Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkefu of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Nkefu is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-the-preaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Tonight, we come before you expecting to hear your voice, another voice of a man. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Let the entrance of your word bring light. by the Spirit of God. And the second one is to pray that God will heal you. Hallelujah. So I want you to be patient. Alright. Let's allow the Lord to have His way tonight. Now many times when we come before the presence of the Lord, we are in a rush. But you don't have to be in haste to get out of the presence of the King. Because it is good always to be in the presence of the king. The Bible says who has woes? Who has contentions? Who has babblings? Who has redness of eyes? It is they that tarry long at the wine. So when you tarry long at the wine, the wine seeps into you. The anointing seeps into you and begins to affect you powerfully. Tonight I believe that the healing anointing of Jesus Christ would explode in our midst. If you are sick in any part of your body, get ready, the Lord is healing. And your healing will happen not only at the time that I start praying for the sick, but even some of you get healed whilst the preaching is going on. Because the healing is done by the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Now, I've been talking on the subject many are called. How many of you believe that you are called? Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. Hallelujah. Now, tonight, I'm speaking on the subject, 
why you must become a lay pastor. Why you must become a lay pastor. Hallelujah. God wants all of us to become lay pastors. Now, who is a lay pastor? A lay pastor is a pastor who does his own work and then also adds pastoral work to his life. So, in the mornings, a lay pastor goes to teach, a lay pastor goes to the bank, a lay pastor goes to the farm, a lay pastor goes to the market. A lay pastor goes to the ministries as a civil servant. Whatever the person does, the person goes to do it from morning, 8 o'clock to 5 p.m. Then in the evenings, all right, the lay pastor is available to do the work of God. And it is God's desire that most of us here will become lay pastors in our churches, in all the branches from which we have come from. Now why is it important? It is important because a few full-time paid pastors cannot carry out the full ministry work. Now a lay pastor works. He has a job. He has, he has salary. So he doesn't need a church to pay him or pay her. So the laborers work in the church is, is free of charge. Hallelujah. Alright? And so the laborers become a powerful addition to the few full-time pastors that we have so that together the work of the Lord can be done. Now Jesus said the laborers are few but the harvest is plenteous. The harvest of reaching out to all the unbelievers in Freetown and in the provinces is a lot. There are millions of people who have not heard the gospel. A few paid full-time pastors who sit in the front of our churches do not have the capacity. Even if they live for 100 years, 200 years, they will still not be able to harvest the great harvest that is available. That is why God expects all of us, members of Bethel, to rise up and to become lay pastors. Now, when I say a lay pastor, don't be afraid. What is the work of a pastor? The work of the pastor is to preach the gospel. How many of you would like to preach the gospel? If you like to preach the gospel, let me see your hand. What is the work of a pastor? The work of a pastor is to look after the people in the church. How many of you would like to look after the people in the church? What is the work of a pastor? The work of a pastor is to visit the sheep, is to care for them, is to counsel them. And this is something that we can all do. Hallelujah. Now you are saying that, oh, Bishop Badusi, uh, I am I'm a, a carpenter. I, I'm not a pastor. But the Bible says many are called. Many are called. And the call is not for a few special people. And this is the point that this is the point that if you don't understand any of the message that I've I've preached, I'll be here. This is the only thing that I want you to understand. That many are called. You are 
of the people that are called to do the work of God. Can I have an amen? amen. And we need people who rise up into the pastoral office and work as pastors. Even though you are a banker, you are a teacher, you are a soldier, you are a policeman at my cathedral in Accra, I have two policemen and they are lay pastors. They, they work together and they have built a church. And I remember I used to laugh at them. And I told them, do your members know that you are police people? Because if your members know that you are Christian, they will run away from you. So I told them, take your time. Yeah, but now their members know. They are policemen. They go on patrol. You know, they do all kinds of things. And in the evenings and over the weekends, they go and pastor their church. So no matter who you are, you are a doctor. You say you are a doctor. Me too, I'm a doctor. You say you are busy. I'm also very busy. I'm very busy. You say you are a nurse. There are nurses who are pastors. You say you are a businessman. There are business people who are pastors. Can I have an amen? There are market women, market men, farmers, fishermen, carpenters that are pastors. So, this is God's challenge to everybody here. We need a lot of people to work as lay pastors to help in advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So tonight, I want to give you a few reasons why you must be a lay pastor. Lift up my right hand. Say, Father, make me a lay pastor. I am ready to become a lay pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the first reason why you must become a lay pastor is because you have heard too much. You have heard too much. You have been in church for too long. Many of you, your pastor cannot preach a new message. You have heard of his sermons. When your pastor says, ah, all you are, I know where he's coming from. You know all his tricks. You know all his scriptures. You know all his passages. You know all his messages. You have heard a lot. And after some years of hearing a lot, it is now God's expectation that you should rise up and also begin uh, to teach the word of God. Hallelujah. What do you think about that? Uh, how many of you have heard a lot? Have you heard a lot? Uh, so God now expects you to rise up and give out what you have heard. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. God is teaching you why you must become a lay pastor. Who is a lay pastor? A lay pastor is somebody who has his job or her job, but in addition to that, he does pastoral work. And everybody here, or most of you here, must rise up to become lay pastors. If we are going 
him. Lord, make us thousand times more. Only two people in the church cannot do that. We need more people. And that is what Jesus meant by the laborers are few. When you become a laborer, you become part of the laborers. Can I have an amen? Yes. Now, this is what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Let, let me read in the NIV so it will make more sense to you. He said, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, though by this time you ought to be teachers, many of you by this time, after three years in the church, after four years in the church, after ten years in the church, after fifteen years in the church, you ought to be teachers of somebody else. That is what God is saying to you. You have sat in the church for far too long, warming the pews. You have received all the messages. The pastor has laid his hands on you 100 times. What else? How many times do you want? Hands have been laid upon you 100 times. What else do you want? We have anointed you with oil 70 times. We have prophesied over you. We prophesied about your marriage, about your school, about your church, about your future, about your past, about your travel, everything. All the prophecies have come. What else do you want? What else do you want? What else do you want? And you see, if you don't rise up to become a lay pastor, so that you also begin to do the work of a pastor, that is when you sit in the church and you become a critic. You become a critic. Yeah. So Paul says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths. Of God's way, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So Paul is saying that there is a time that you ought to be teachers. You ought to be a pastor. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Hallelujah. This is the first reason why you must become a lay pastor. Because you have heard a lot. You have been taught a lot. Now, anybody, when you eat a lot, and you don't make use of the food, it will begin to kill you. People who are fat. People who are fat. Now, if you want to, if you want to become fat, I can show you how to become fat. It's very simple. Eat a lot, but don't do anything. Just eat a lot. And don't do anything. You become fat. So those of you who say, I want to put on weight. That's how to put on weight. You eat a lot. Then you see, when you eat, you sleep. You watch TV. You sit down. You don't go anywhere. When you want something from the kitchen, don't walk. I send somebody to go to the kitchen and bring you the knife and the plate. That's why when it is time for you to eat, don't eat. Let, them, let somebody feed you. Don't let Just eat. Just eat. And soon you become fat. But listen, the fat, do you see, now that you have become fat, this fat now begins to kill you. 
You begin to die from sugar diabetes. You begin to die from hypertension. Yeah. You begin to die from heart attack. You begin to die from stroke. And all the diseases that kill fat people. So, how is it that, what can you do so that you don't become too fat to die? When you eat, you must work so that the energy that has come to you is dissipated. That is how life comes. So if you want to live long, you eat, but you make use of the energy. In the same way, in the church. When you sit in the church and you hear the word of God for many, many years, after many years, you must now rise up and begin to pour out the word that is in you to other people. Hallelujah. So you have heard too much. You have heard too much to continue to sit. And for those of you who have not heard too much, you can still be trained to do the work of a pastor. Oh yeah? You can still be trained to do the work of a pastor. And remember, the work of the pastor is to win the loss, is to preach the loss, is to care for the loss, is to visit the loss, is to pray for the loss. That is the work of the pastor. And you can be taught to do the work of a pastor. Lift up the right hand. Say, Lord, please teach me to become a lay pastor. I want to become a lay pastor in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number two, the second reason why you must become a lay pastor is so that you can live in certain geographical locations to do the work of God. The second reason why you must become a lay pastor is so that you can live in certain geographical locations to do the work of God. Amen. Now, one of the advantages of the lay ministry is that it helps you to live in different places. There are many, many countries on earth where it is not possible to enter there as a missionary, to enter there as a pastor, to enter there to do the work of God on full-time basis. A place like China, a place like China, it is very difficult for you to enter and say, I'm a missionary, I'm coming to China, I'm coming to start a church. It's very difficult. A place like India. Now, India, India said that they have too many religions that don't come and add some more religions. Because the religion that they have, Islam, Hindu and all those, has brought so much confusion into the country. So when you say, I'm a pastor, I want to come and start, they say, don't come and add to religions. We already have too many religions. So it is very, very difficult to enter India, alright, to do the work of God. There are different, different places. Cuba. Now, so what does it mean? Are we going to allow the people there to go to hell? How are they going to hear the word of God? That is where the lay ministry becomes important. Because you can enter those countries as a student, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a businessman. You can 
enter that, those countries to work. And once you say that working, you can now do the work of God. We have so many pastors like that in our church. So many all over the world. All over the world. As I'm speaking to you right now, we have churches in China. In China. Pastored by students. We have churches in India. Pastored by students. We have churches in Ukraine. Different places. People who have left and gone to places. I have a pastor in Jamaica. He left Ghana and went to Jamaica for the sole purpose of going to do the work of God. He entered the country, got a job. He's doing the work of God. So the lay ministry is important because it allows us to be able to take the gospel to places that otherwise we cannot enter. And Jesus has sent us to everywhere. Jesus has sent us so we don't have the right to cut out any place. We don't. We don't. If we don't become lay pastors, and we depend only on full-time pastors, then such places as I've mentioned and many more are going to be left out of the gospel. But remember, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples of all nations. Hallelujah. That is why you must become a lay pastor. Through the lay ministry, you can gain access to different geographical locations. Wow. Is that powerful? How many of you believe that it's powerful? So listen, a time is going to come that many of you here, you will no more be in freedom. Some of you are going to go to China. Yeah, you have to go to China to go to school. Go and study pharmacy, go and study uh, engineering, go and study computer science. And when you are there, when you are there, alright, then you start a church. Now, I studied medicine in Russia. I studied medicine in Russia. I went to Russia in 1984, right in the middle of Soviet communism. I went to meet Soviet Union, not Russia. I went to meet Soviet Union in 1984, right in the middle of communism. And I was a young Christian, but I'd just given my life to the Lord for about a year. I remember when I was about to go, I met a man who had been in Russia for six years. He had finished his studies. And he told me, he said, Brother, do you say that you were a Christian? I said, Yes. He said, I'll give you six months. You will forget about Christianity. That's what he told me. He said, I'll give you six months. You will forget about Christianity. Now, because, number one, Russia under communism did not allow Christianity to be practiced. The church was closed down. They burnt all the churches. And so, believers had to run underground. They had to run underground. And if they caught you, they will persecute you. They believed in atheism, the official philosophy of Soviet 
uh, union was a case, which means, alright, the teaching that there is no God. The teaching that there is no God. If you were a Russian and you were caught believing in God, they punished you. They sent them to Siberia where the temperature in winter can be as low as minus 50. And they will expose them in the cold and say, denounce Christ or you stand here and die. And they stood there and they die. Apart from that, they will take your children away from you. Because they said you were indoctrinating you know, the nationals of the country with madness. They used to throw such Christians to psychiatric hospitals and give them injections for treatment for believing in Jesus Christ. The country was full of immorality, drinking, smoking, you know, fornication, adultery. That is why the man said to me, I give you six months. Hallelujah. But by the grace of God, I was there for seven years and I survived. I survived. And not only did I survive, but God used that opportunity, my presence there, and not only me, many, many, many international students that came across from the nations of the world to help rekindle the fire there. Yeah. I started an international student fellowship right in my university. Later on, when the system opened up, and I got much off, we could now freely move. I traveled through many places in Russia preaching. There were big Baptist churches which now appeared with a lot of white people, and then here comes a black boy preaching, and they were wondering, wow, is it really true? that Christianity is a reaction because they have been told that they were the only people who were believing in Christ all the other people in the world don't believe in anything like that so we, our presence served as a source of encouragement Amen for the seven years that I was there the Lord used me to spread the gospel to preach the gospel to help in churches I remember the very first time that I came into contact with Russian Christians. One time I was in my... By that time the system had not opened up. I was in my hostel when somebody came to tell me that there is a white man who says he wants to see me. So I was wondering, who is this person? This will be around about 6, 6.30. It was getting dark. So I go down from the hostel and I meet this white man and he looks at me and he asks me, I hear you are a believer. I say, yes, I'm a believer. He said, come with me. Come with me. So we jumped into a tramp, got down somewhere, began to go, you know, along the alleys and the back roads of the city. Under the cover of darkness, I still remember it as if it was today. And we kept moving we kept moving, we kept moving until we got to a house with a wooden fence. So he opened the gate, we knocked, he knocked on the door and opened the door and lo and behold, packed in a little hall like this section of the church, 
like about 60 to 70 people were Russians. Russian Pentecostal Christians. That was the first time I came into contact with them. And that is why I saw Bible and hymn books written with ink. They didn't have Bibles. They didn't have hymn books. And when they saw me, they started crying. Because it's like, are there people in this world who believe in this God that we have been told that it doesn't exist? That is what my presence did with them. Later on, as the years, you know, went by, I will go to England and bring them Bibles and take letters and other things from them to other Christians in other parts of the world. The point I'm trying to make is that becoming a lay pastor, becoming a lay pastor, is a great because the gospel must be preached everywhere, but sometimes there is no opportunity to enter even the country. But as a lay pastor, who is also a lawyer, who is also a civil servant, who is also an engineer, who is also a nurse. For example, if you take the, like the Caribbean countries, many of the Caribbean countries, it's very difficult to go there. But they need, they need medical people. They need doctors and nurses. So once you are a doctor or a nurse or maybe a laboratory technician, you can enter. Yeah, I know one such place. We have a pastor there right now. He is a laboratory technologist. And that is why he entered the country. He entered the country to work in a hospital. And as he's there, he started the church. So that is the reason, another reason why you must become a lay pastor. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Why don't you give the Lord a wonderful, wonderful prophecy? Number three. Number three, become a lay pastor so that you are not a burden to anyone. Become a lay pastor so that you are not a burden to anyone. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. Paul said, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So Paul was talking about the way he had ministered in the different places and he was telling them that look, we did it, but we did it without becoming a burden to you. Because we work with our hands night and day to provide for ourselves so that we will not become a burden to you. Hallelujah. There are times when being a full-time minister is a burden to a small congregation. This morning I was telling the pastors, when you have a congregation of 80 people, 40 people, 50 people, and you, you are dependent on them for salary, for the provision for your children, your wife, your accommodation, and all that. It, there is a point at which you become a burden. Your presence is actually a burden to the people. And that is why sometimes you see pastors talking a lot about money. Because they need the money 
Not for the ministry, but they need the money to survive. So, sometimes it is, it is good for you to take a job as a pastor of a small church and get a salary and continue to pastor it. So, as a lay pastor, you know, you become important to the gospel because you are not burdensome. You are not a burden. I served the Lord as a lay pastor for 14 good years. For 14 good years. I was working as a doctor and using my salary to travel around to do the work of God. For many, many, many years. The church didn't pay me anything. This one, we had a pastor here, Pastor Tamba. I showed him to the church. He said, He's a lay pastor. He used to work for the United Nations. And wherever he went, he set up churches and built church buildings. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Look, there is so much burden on the church. Now ask yourself, when we take the offerings, how much is the offering? How much? After the bishop has stood here and shouted and motivated and even told people to, you, to give as their beautiful wives as Dr. Howard told us this morning. Still, how much is the offering? Dr. Howard told us a beautiful story this morning. He said that a man of God wanted to raise up offerings to do a church project. And he really encouraged the people. So when the time came, he told all the men to go and sit by their wives. So every man in the church got up and went to sit by their wives. Then he told the men, your offering must be as beautiful as your wife. In other words, I tell you to give good offerings as beautiful as your wife. So, somebody woke up and came with 200, what's 200 dollars? 200 cities. So, the, 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 the pastor who was taking the offering was holding the offering bowl. So, he saw the 200 cities as the man was going back. But he called and said, Brother, come. Are you saying that your wife... The beauty of your wife is just 200 cities. And the man told him, he said, Pastor, when you see my wife, you even give me a change. Even the, two, even to the 200 is too much. The 200 is too much. I shall give 50, 50 cities. Forgive. Everybody say forgive. Everybody say mercy. Say mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. But the point I'm trying to make is that, look, there is a lot of financial burden on every ministry. For the church to develop, alright, if you want the church to be strong, the church has to do certain things. All of you who are in churches that don't have church buildings, that is not a strong church. It's not a strong church. It's not a strong church. You are meeting in somebody's classroom. You are meeting under a shed. You are meeting under a tent. One day, if the wind comes and blows out everything, that's the end of your ministry. Or your landlord. I was telling the pastor this morning, when the head teacher of the classroom, the wife refuses him sex. And he's very angry. When he comes and sees you, he says, look, from today we can't meet you again. 
we can't meet you again. It's not, you are not a, a marital problem, but he has transmitted the problem to you. That's the end of your church. So, if you are here and your church doesn't have a church building, that church is not a strong, strong church. And how do we build church buildings? We need money. It takes a lot of money to buy a piece of land and to put up a church building. Hallelujah. But if the pastor is using that money, you know, to pay everybody in the church, to do all the things, electricity, utilities, you know, fuel, uh, let the funds set up, equipment and all that, at the end of the day, there is no money. So when many of us who are the pastors don't need salary, then the money that comes into the church will be available to help us to develop the church further. Can I have an amen? It's a good place for you to acknowledge the Lord. So Paul said, Paul said that we might not be chargeable to any of you. That is the, the next reason why you must be a lay pastor. Now, four ways that paying a pastor can hinder the ministry. Four ways that paying a pastor can hinder the ministry. Number one, building projects are slow down or they, are, they stop completely. Building po- projects are slow down or they are stopped completely. Number two, the church cannot buy the equipment it needs. It cannot buy the speakers. It cannot buy the monitors. It cannot buy the good good drums. Huh? Sometimes you go to a church and as the drama is drumming, all right, the big drum just falls away and it goes on its own. And then the symbols are also flying in the air. And the pastor needs a good equipment that he does not have the money. How many of you can understand that? Can you understand that? Can you understand that? Amen. Number three, missionaries cannot be sent out. When the church's income is used to pay the pastors, it gets finished. And the church has no money to send missionaries or to start new churches. It is very expensive to send missionaries. I have some young men. Can you stand up? These are all young men from Ghana that we trained them recently in the Bible school. They are all from the university. We have sent them to Ceylon here. Different places. Pastor Steve, where, where are you now? Bo! And you are where? Kenema! You are where? Kenema, you are where? McKinney, we have sent them. Now to send them, you have to buy a ticket. When they get to McKinney, they don't have a father, they don't have an uncle, you have to rent a house for them. You have to rent church meeting plates. You have to buy equipment for them. You have to give them money. You have to look after them. It is very, very expensive. So, when the church uses its money to pay passes, and sometimes you see that the church has about 50 members, but six full-time pastors. Six full-time pastors. This morning, I told the pastors to go and sack all the workers that they are paying. So some of you, you have been sacked, but you are not away. You, you know it on Sunday. Yeah. 
Now, you are sitting here happily. We start you in the morning. All those of you do video, you do uh, this and play the drums. You know, have you told the guy that uh, we have started as a volunteer? Amen? But seriously, that's what happens. But can you imagine? I've been telling you since I've been here. We have 2,500 pastors. More than 70% of them are lay pastors. More than 70% of them are lay pastors. Which means we don't pay them. And they have churches. They have churches. So the income of their churches we use to build up the churches. We build church buildings. We are able to send missionaries. We are able to start new churches. We are able to buy equipment for the, for the churches. We are able to send missionaries, send people to Bible school. I just got a test from my associate. We have sent four people to the Bible school, all right, from our church, all right, and they need money. And he said, what should we do? I said, find money for them to go. So that is why many of us must be unpaid pastors. A lay pastor is a volunteer pastor. A lay pastor is an unpaid pastor. And if most of us here are working for God, free of charge, how many of you agree with me that our churches are going to have money to buy land, to build churches, to start churches, to send people to, to Bible school, to send missions, and to do great things for the Lord. That is why God wants you to become a lay pastor. Can I have an amen? God bless you, let me see them. Huh? Next reason. The fifth reason why you must become a lay pastor. Become a lay pastor so that you are free from all men. So that you are free from all men. Become a lay pastor so that you are free from all men. First Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain them all. Many times, people who give money in churches and to pastors develop an attitude because of the size of their donations. It is very important, therefore, for pastors to be free from the negative attitudes of such church members. Many, many, many church members, they sit in church and they control the pastor. They control the pastor. Yeah. There are many pastors, they can't preach about certain subjects in their church. They can't preach about adultery. Because the main fantasia is an adulterer. So when the pastor stands and preaches, see, the word of God is against adultery. God says that every Christian must have one wife, and then his, his eyes meet the man. The man says, You see. You see. You go hungry for three months for saying something like this in church. <laughs> yes. So you see, the pastor is so free. To preach the word of God. But listen, if God has called you, you must preach the word of God and not what man wants to hear. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. This one, it was not easy for the pastors that were here. Hey, 
they felt God was shaking their bones. God was shaking. And I'm not afraid at all. I have to preach the word of God. We must preach the word of God. Hallelujah. We should not seek for the honor of men. Pastors, don't seek for the honor of men. Don't seek for the applause of men. Hallelujah. Look, let me tell every pastor. When you preach, don't worry when people don't clap for you. It's so important. Once you have opened the Bible, read a verse and preach, it is okay. It is okay. Hallelujah. Preach what God has asked you to do. But see, most times you cannot do that when there are people who they are the people who, who finance the church. They finance you. Your breakfast is in their pocket. Your lunch is in their pocket. Your dinner is in their Every Sunday, you begin to, when you see that, you scratch your head like, <laughs> oh God, you know good, oh. You know good, okay. Here is 100,000 million for you. After, after, after three days, come and see me. I'll find something. So they are controlling you in the church. They are controlling you. Now, one of the ways to overcome that is for you to be a lay pastor. So that you'll be free. You'll be free. For 14 years, I was free. Preaching the word of God. I preached what God laid on my heart. And it's as I've been preaching at this conference, I've been preaching what I feel God is leading me. And whether you like it or not, that's not the point. I'm not here to please you. Hello? Now, say, Bishop says he's not here to please you. Tell, tell the next person. I ask you, why, why have you squeezed your face? Why have you squeezed your face? Smile, tell you, smile, 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 smile. And now listen to me. Those of you that God has blessed and has given you the opportunity to support his church, do it with humility. Do it with what? Humility. Don't use it to control your pastor. Now let me tell you a true story. In America, there was a church and that church had a board member. You know, most churches have board members. That sort of help the pastor to govern the church and take decisions. Amen. By the way, it's the wrong way of doing church. Hallelujah. Amen. You should not let men direct you. You must be led by God. Can I have an amen? amen? And you must have good elders and pastors that you discuss with. Don't allow men on the board to control you. Now this man, the pastor, the church became full. Like the way this place has become small for better. And the pastor said, let us expand the church building. Let us expand it. Let us make it bigger. This man was very rich. And one of the main sponsors of the church, he said, no. No. Let's leave it like that. No. And there are people like that. You are here. Even some of you, the offerings that you give, they are the wrong offerings. To whom much is given, much is required. God has given you much. But you look at everyone. Everybody gives 5,000 euros. Everybody gives uh, uh, 10,000. Everybody gives 20,000. So you also take 20,000 and you bring. Even though you can give 500,000 every week. Based on how much God has given to you. And God is going to judge you. That's the reason why God has blessed you. 
Hallelujah. And some of you don't pay tight. Remind, remind me to tell, tell you a story about someone who doesn't pay tight. I have a lot of stories for you. So this man, he blocked the church expansion project. Meanwhile, do you know what he was doing? He was building a huge mansion on the top of a hill for his two little daughters. So finally, he finished building his mansion and he took his daughters to go and show them. And on their way back, on their way back, you know little children, they said, Daddy, can we have some ice cream? Daddy, can we have some ice cream? And you know, Daddy loves his two little children. So he just went off the road. And then across the road was a shop where the ice cream was being sold. And the two little children were crossing the road to go and buy ice cream. And the daddy told them, be careful as you go. When the two little children were crossing the road, a 16-wheeler articulated truck came from nowhere. Came from nowhere and crushed the tiny bodies of these two little girls. And their skin, their flesh, their bones, their clothing splattered, splattered everywhere. Now, when it happened, this man ran, picking the bones, picking the tissues, picking the clothing, picking the little, little things, and, and crying and shouting, my little girls. And right at that time, according to his own testimony, God said to him, You will not build my church. You will not build my church. You will not allow my church to be built. Rather, you are building for your children. And God said to him, Now, who is going to live in that mansion? This is a man's own testimony. God asked him, You are not going to build my church. You are broken my church. Some of you will sit in church. When Bishop brings up an idea, you never run. Oh, can we take a second offering to someone? Almost. And then you have people, you, you have people that you say, second offering, offering. You wait and see. One of these days, your mouth will turn this way and it will never come back. Yes. Yes. somebody who didn't pay tight. There was a young man. There was a young man. You see, I'm telling you all these stories because I'm saying that when you become a lay pastor, you reduce the financial burden on the ministry. How many of you want the financial burden to be reduced? Look, many pastors have hypertension. Many pastors cannot sleep in the night. They'll be tossing about saying, hmm, Hmm. Hmm. Their wife will be asking, what is wrong with you? So, hmm. Do you know why? There's no money to do the things that he has to do. Yes. There's no money. A young man had a very powerful job. God bless him. And this was in, in, in Ghana. 
And he was earning US dollars. He was not being paid in Ghana cities. He was being paid in US dollars. And his pastor told him, You've got to pay your tithe. You know what he told his pastor? He told the pastor, Pastor, you see, you don't know how much I earn. That is why you are telling me to pay tithe. You don't know how much I earn. Everybody say, You don't know how much I earn. In other words, what he was saying is that his salary was so big that his price was too much. And some of you, that is how you are, you sit in the church and you don't pay tight. Now, let me qualify when I say you don't pay tight. Tight is minimum 10%. So, if you pay anything less than 10%, you don't pay tight. You are the same as somebody who doesn't pay at all. And there are many people here. What you call your tithe is not your tithe. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I say repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You don't pay your real tithe. You just take something and bring it. Because you are telling God that my tithe is too much. Let me give you another story before I continue on this one. One day. I said one day. When I say one day, I say one day. One day. A church member came to his pastor and told his pastor, Pastor, I have a problem. I have a problem. I need, I need for you to pray for me and counsel me about what I should do. The pastor said, what is the problem? He said, Pastor, my problem is that my tithe has been becoming too much. It, it used to be 50,000 euro. Then my salary was increased and it went to 100,000. Then my salary was increased. Then it went to 500,000. Then my salary was increased. Then it went, it, it went to 1 million. 5 million. Now, Pastor, I am paying 100 million euro at my tithe. That is the problem that I have. Can you help me to solve it? The Pastor said, Oh, don't worry. It's a very small problem to solve. You are very happy. So, Pastor, thank you. I, I knew that when I tell you, help me. For my problem to solve. The pastor said, Me down. Me down. I'm going to pray for you. He said, Father, his salary is too much. And therefore, his sight is too much. I pray in the name of Jesus. Reduce. Reduce. Re- when he heard the pastor say, Reduce the pastor. No, 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 no. No, no, I don't like this prayer. You don't like this prayer. That's the prayer that we pray for you. I pray that we pray for you. Clap your hands for Jesus somebody. Pastors, learn this prayer. Call them, say, okay. Father, reduce, reduce the salary. Because when your salary releases, your tithe will also reduce. But you want your, 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 your salary to be big, but you don't want to pay the tithe. Back to the young man who was not paying the tithe. He told his pastor, you guys, you like stories, pa. I can see that you like stories. You like stories, pa. Now, you told the pastor, I earn too much money. I cannot pay tight. Now, this is a true story. One day, I said one day, he was driving his brand new BMW. Brand new. He was driving on the road. And suddenly, the BMW decided that it didn't like the road. It, it wanted the bush. Have 
you see a car that you are driving, a car is saying, look, I don't want to go on the good road again. Why do you want to go? I want to go into the bush. Yeah. So the BMW carried him as himself into the bush. It was written off. He still did not learn. He still did not learn. Several years later, he came to his pastor. He entered the office of the pastor. And he told the pastor, look at me. Look at me. He had become like a skeleton. He told the pastor, I have designer clothing. I cannot wear them. You know what has happened to him? Something terrible had struck him. He had been struck with cancer. He had been struck with cancer. He reduced until he became like a skeleton. He traveled the world over. He even had a transplant for that particular organ. And then, when he gained a little weight, two things happened to him. One day, the pastor was in the office. When he came, can I have an emblem? Can I have an emblem? Give me an emblem. The pastor was sitting in his office. So, he gets a knock. This gentleman comes with an envelope, a tight card, and say, Pastor, look, I've started paying my tithe. I've started paying my tithe. I've started paying my tithe. Not only that, he became an evangelist. This guy now started preaching all over. But he couldn't help him. The bell rang. He was off. He was off. He was off. He left the good job. He left the thousands of dollars. He left everything and into his grave. Be very careful when you sit in the church. Some of you criticize the bishop and you criticize your pastors when they are encouraging you to give offerings. Look, a, a church is not a bank. A church is not a factory. A church is not IMF. A church is not a world bank. Where does a church get its money from? Two sources, the offerings and the tithes. So when you sit around and you don't want to give offerings, you don't want to give tithes, you don't want to pay your... Some of you make pledges. Eh? You make pledges, you come from, from... Oh, we are going to... How many of you can give one million dollars a child? You come for it and you don't pay. You don't pay. You don't bother. That is why there's a lot of financial burden. And one of the ways by which this burden is reduced is when most of us work without collecting salary from the church. Are you here go home? How many of you are going to become lay pastors? How many of you have decided to become lay pastors? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Next reason. Next reason. Become a lay pastor so that you can be in the ministry whether finances permit it or not. Become a lay pastor so that you can be in the ministry whether finances permit it or not. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16 to 18, this is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16 to 18. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. 
for necessity is laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, what is unto me if I preach not the gospel? For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Very, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Paul says, what is me if I preach not the gospel? Sometimes we do not have a choice. We have to do his will whether there is salary or there is no salary. So that's another reason why you must become a lay pastor. So that you can do the ministry whether there is money or there is no money. Because you don't need money. You don't need to be paid. So whether the church pays you or the church doesn't pay you, alright, it is necessity. Necessity is placed on each and every one of us to preach. Church, Necessity is placed on each and every one of us to preach the gospel. Church, God expects each and every one of us to preach the gospel. It is necessary. It is important. It is our Christian obligation. Preaching is not the result of a few paid staff. Preaching is the precept of every Christian, every believer, every child of God. We have all been called to go out there to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Whether we are giving money or we are not giving money. Wow. How many of you understand the message? God is telling you, become a new pastor. I need you to preach without money. I need you to preach. Yeah. All the young people in our church, in this church, no women, no women. God is calling you. It is time to rise up. God has made you a nurse, become a nurse and a preacher. God has made you a policeman, be a policeman and a preacher. God has made you a love technician, be a love technician and a pastor. God has made you a wife, be a wife and a pastor. You are an engineer, be an engineer and a pastor. Preach necessity is laid on us. Necessity is laid. We have no option. We have no option. We have no option. We have no option. Now listen to me. On the day, on the day that you enter the grave, only one thing will matter. What did you use your life to do for Jesus Christ? Yeah. 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 None of your burdens will cross the grave. None of your savings will cross the grave. Your university certificate will not cross the grave. It will not. All the things that you are fighting for on earth will not cross the grave. Bishop Lagar, in 1996, I had an experience that changed my life forever. I attended the funeral of my own schoolmate in in medical school. We sat in the same medical school. And he died at the age of 36 years. With two children. His wife was also a doctor. 36. He died. My wife and I attended his funeral. We arrived in the city and we were placed in his room. 
the room of my dead friend. That's where we were sleeping. So that the following day, we attend the funeral service. But they had a set, you know, uh, laying in of state. I don't know whether you do it here. Alright? They, they lay the body in state during the night. And they do awakening. So people go there. Now, my wife and I were tired, so we were in the room. When suddenly, his relatives, some of his brothers and sisters and relatives came to the room. And his bed was, this was his bed, we were lying on the bed. And then he had this wardrobe. And that my, my, my Christian friend, he really loved to dress. His suits and everything were just immaculate. He was a good dresser. So when they came, we asked them, what do you want? They said, we want to come for some of his clothing to dress the body. So we said, we have seen some nice ones that take some. Watch this. We have seen some nice ones that take some. And they told us, no, not the new ones. We want old ones. I was shocked. They were looking for old shirts, old suits, not the new ones. Why? 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 So keep on using your money to buy clothes and shoes and things like that. They will not cross the grave. Use it to build the kingdom of God. Use it for the church. Use it to do something for the kingdom of God. to the Lord. Whether we are paid or we are not paid, necessity is laid on us to preach the gospel. And pastors, pastors, let us preach this word to our church members. Let us discourage them from always wanting to be blessed. As for the blessing, any Christian who follows Jesus and works for Jesus, Matthew says it's is your portion. It will happen to you automatically. It's a default spiritual setting. It's a default spiritual blessing. It will happen to you. David said, I was young and now I am old. He said, never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging to For the Lord is a son and a shell. He gives glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. No good thing. Whatever you need in your life, as you serve the Lord, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can think about or you can ask. Can I have an amen? amen. How many of you are ready to become lay pastors? Are you ready to become a lay pastor? Number, number seven. Number seven. Number seven. And this is the last one. Be a lay pastor to ensure that you have touch 
in the great ministry of Jesus Christ. Be a lay pastor to ensure that you have a part, you have a part of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at Acts chapter 1. We are reading from verse 15. Acts chapter 1 and from verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must least have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. Verse 17. Watch verse 17. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Peter was saying, Judas had part of this ministry. Every child of God must play a part in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. Every child of God. Every child of God. Every ch- Why? Because many are called. Always remember that. Many are called. to your brother or sister sitting by you and say, you are called. You are called. As a person, do you know that you are called? To do the work of God? To serve Jesus? To preach the gospel? To work as a pastor? To do something in the house of the Lord? Do you know that you are called? I want to inform you, according to the word of God, that you are called. Yes. You are called. For you are numbered with us and have obtained part of this ministry. Hallelujah. Many of us may never play a part in building the kingdom unless we do it as lay pastors. Many of us. Unless we do it as a lay pastor. Look. How many of you are ever going to get the opportunity to stand behind this puppet? Well, ask yourself. When are you going to have the opportunity to stand here? You are the, the pastor here. You are saying, open your Bible. I have a message for you. When? The Lord has placed the bishop here. And the bishop has assistance when he's not here. They are here. When are you going? So that if you are not going to preach, you can also preach. You can also find somewhere to preach. You can preach in a cell. We are going to build, we are going to go back in battle to the cell ministry again. We are going to build a strong cell ministry in battle. Yeah. We are going to go into branches. We are going to start branches of, of battle all over. Who are going to be the pastors? Tell, tell the person near you that it's you. Tell the person we are sending you. We are sending you. You are the person. Hallelujah. Ask the person, will you go? Will you go? What did the person say? They said yes. Clap your hands for yourselves. Hallelujah. Is it a blessing? Yes. Yes. You don't need to stand in the pulpit here to be able to have part of the ministry. No. You can be a pastor of the choir. You can be a pastor of the ashes. You can be a branch pastor. 
We need a lot of people to go and start churches. A lot. All the young people in the church, I'm giving you a warning. We are going to send all of you away. Begin to pack your things. For years, I said, You have been here, you have heard me teaching a lot. It is time for you to go and and share with others. Hallelujah! I send them away. And can you imagine? Can you imagine? Between April to now, they started 14 churches, 14 churches in different parts of Accra. And they come to me, they are so happy, and they say, Bishop. We didn't know that we could do something for the Lord. Look, many of you, your life will be even your personal life, you are going to be happy when you see a drunkard being transformed, a prostitute being transformed, a thief being transformed, a criminal like Saul being transformed to serve Jesus and become a great vessel in the hand of God. You'll be very happy. You'll be very happy. They're going to be like doctors. You know, African doctors, we are not paid much. But any doctor, your real motivation is the joy of seeing your patient treated. When you are in the emergency room and they send a patient and you see the family running with a child who is dying from asthma. <laughs> And they run to the hospital crying because that child or that person is dying. And you, the doctor, you said, Put him here, set up a drip, take your aminophilin, take your hydrocortisone, give it to him. And within 20 minutes, the person begins to breathe normally and opens the eyes and looks around with a smile. That is the joy of a pastor. That's the job of a doctor. That's the job of any genuine medical doctor. Or a nurse. So, many of you, it is because of the type of Christian life that you have led. That is why you are not happy. You, have, you, you never think of somebody else. Many of you are selfish. Selfishness is killing us. We are only thinking about ourselves. If somebody is going to hell, let them go. If somebody are in the prison and they are languishing there, let them be there. I am saved. If my sister is not saved, she must go to hell. We are selfish. We are selfish. Look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 20. As I come to the end of my message, and we are going to pray for the sick. Are you ready to be healed? How many of you are ready to be healed tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. The healing Jesus will touch your life tonight. Are you ready to be touched? Amen. Now listen to what Paul said. He said, go, go back, go, go to about verse 18. Go back to about verse 18. So we can understand the context. 
of the scripture. For the same cause also, do you joy and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who naturally care for your state. And look at verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. For all seek their own. Many Christians seek their own. How they can become rich. How they can marry. How they can travel. eh? How they can build a house. They don't think about anybody. To hell with everybody. To hell. I hope. So you two should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That I also may be shared when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your well-being. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Everyone. We have become so selfish. Christians. But listen, if Jesus had been selfish, you and I will not be saved. Can I have an amen? How many of you agree? Jesus was God, but he decided to put his throne aside. And the same mind, we must have it. We must begin to think about others just as Jesus talked about us. How many of you know that Jesus talked about you? God talked about us. For God so loved the world that he gave. When you love, you give. When you love, you give. When you love, you give. When you think about others, you want to do something for others. Let's think about other people who are not saved. Let's think about other countries, other towns, other villages in Siloam, where there are no churches, where other religions are taking over. And let us have the mind of Christ. You see, that scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. From verse 5. That is what he said. When the Bible said that, eh, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. That is what he said. Think in the way that Christ taught. Who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, made himself, made himself, made himself, not that somebody stripped him, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and being found in the form of a man. He became, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. So he humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. We must think about others. I don't know whether you have this church here. Um, the Salvation Army. You have the Salvation Army. The founder of the Salvation Army was General Booth. General Booth. One day, General Booth called for a camp meeting for all his pastors. Just like Bishop has called for us to come for liberation 2016. So he called for a camp meeting for all his pastors. 
And on the day that the camp meeting was starting, he did not appear. He didn't come. But he sent somebody with a letter. He sent somebody with a letter. The pastors have gathered at a camp meeting. Their general didn't come, but he sent somebody with a letter. And so the person comes, opens the letter, takes out a piece of paper, and reads out the letter from General Boots. And do you know what was in the letter? Only one word. Only one word. What was the word? Others. Others. O-T-H-E-R-S. Others. What was, what was he telling them? He was saying, Pastors, as you have gathered here, I want you to think about Alice. Yes. The great missionaries that ever lived, J. Hansen Taylor, the missionary to China, the missionary to China, he left his home to go and be in China. Suffered. He lost two or three wives. David Livingston left Scotland and went to South Africa to labor in the forests of Southern Africa. Lost his wife. I mean, they, they led terrible lives. They suffered. For what reason? For the purpose of the gospel. Church, let us speak about others. Let us speak about the people in Rome, the people in Kenema, Makeni, the people in the far, 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 the, the villages, the villages, the people there must also hear the gospel. But how can they hear when we are all gathered in Freetown and want to sleep in Freetown, eat in Freetown, become rich here, fold our hands, have a little church here, and be happy? We must begin to think about others. Tonight, God is speaking to you. No people in this church, your days of living in the city are over. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life. Surrender your life. Philippians chapter 3, from verse 7. Look at it very quickly. Paul was speaking about his life. Paul was speaking about his life. No ladies, give up your life. You know, sometimes these are young missionaries. When we send them, one of the most painful things that they suffer, do you know one of the most painful things that they suffer? Many of their beloveds, their, 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 their fiancés, is that not it? Tell them, if you are going on missions, then I cannot marry you. They need them. Yeah, they need them. They leave them. They leave them. If you say you are going to work in the bank, I'll marry you. If you are going to travel to America, I'll marry you. But you want to go and work in Bo. What is in Bo? What is in Bo? I won't follow you. They lose them all the time. But listen to what Paul said. 
But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. The things that are gained to you, Jesus is a loser. Loser. I was telling you yesterday, I had to lose my medical career. <laughs> Several years ago, Bishop, I went to Bishop Bach and I told him, I said, I said, I said, Bishop, I really admire the unwanting on your life. And I like it. I want it. And he put his hand on my shoulders. And he said, It is good that you like this anointing. But before this anointing can come upon you, you must pay the same price that I paid. You must pay the same price. So sometimes you see young pastors, Oh, Bishop, can you pray for me? I want the anointing in your, on your life. It doesn't come just like that. You must pay the price. Those of you who are assistant pastors in this church, you must pay the price of serving this man of God. Serving him. Serving him with all your heart. Loyalty. Be loyal. Be faithful. Loving him. Dying for him. Sacrificing for him. Obeying him. Standing by him. Holding his hand. That is how come the anointing comes. You must serve the anointing. You must serve the anointing. And sometimes young pastors run away too soon when they have not caught anointing. <laughs> Listen, are you here? When, when God sent Elijah to Elisha and come, Stephen, come. Watch this, watch this, watch this. That was not the anointing. That was a call to service. A call to service. You see a lot of young people, they say under the pastor, when they preach one message and they feel the presence of God, Pastor, I can't serve you again. I have to go and start my church. Am I a prophet? Am I an apostle? You have started a church, you have sister members, you call yourself an apostle. Some of you here, you call yourself apostles, bishops. Even some of you call yourself vice God, assistant God. Vice God, you are vice God. That was a call to serve. Now, from the time that that thing came upon him, he followed. Elijah and served him for 20 years. 20 years. And Bible scholars tell us that Elisha was older than Elijah. He served him for 20 years. It was only in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9 going that the mantle fell down and came upon him. What am I saying? Be patient. Be patient. Don't run away somewhere. Be patient until the anointing comes upon you. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Think about others. Tonight, I'm going to make an altar call. I want young men and young women who are saying, Bishop Interval, God has spoken to my heart. 
I want to become a lay pastor. I want Bishop Laga and his team to train me, to teach me the word of God, to prepare me to become a lay pastor in Bethel. And whatever they want to, me to do, whether to go and start a church, whether to go and start a cell, whatever they want me to do, I want to surrender my life. I give my life away. Wherever you are standing, tonight, if you want to say, Bishop, I want to become a lay pastor. I don't know even much of the Bible. I don't even know how to pray. But I've heard the voice of God. I'm a young man. I'm a young man. I'm a professional. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be trained to become a lay pastor. I want to preach the gospel. I want to start a church. I want to care for people. I want to use my life to bring one believers into the kingdom. As every eye is closed, if you are selling upsets, downsets, and you want to respond to this call from God, I want you to move from your seat and come to me to the front. I want to lay my hands on you and pray for you. Come. Come. Move from your seat and come. God bless you. Upsets. Downsets. Come down quickly. Come down quickly. Pastor, I want to be trained to be a lay pastor. Whatever it takes. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for Jesus. Come. Come. Move from your seat. Move from your seat and come. God is going to use you. God is going to prepare you. Some of you, some of you, that is how come you live long. God will extend your years because you are useful to Him. Come. You are a professional. I want professionals to come. Come. You are a civil servant, you are a teacher, you are a doctor. Wherever you are, you are welcome. Jesus needs you. Come. Come. There are all people who have come to the front here to surrender your life. To surrender your life. To surrender your life. To surrender your life. Listen. Your life is not your own. It belongs to Jesus. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. I've been serving the Lord since I was 22 years. Since I was 22 years. I'm serving the Lord. Come. Come. Ladies. Ladies. I need ladies to come. From the far. Everywhere. Surround your life. Surrender your life. Surrender. Surrender your life to Jesus. Your life is not your own. God is calling you. God is calling you. God is calling you. Yes. Yes. Those of you here, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is going to use you. Look, your life has just begun. Your life has just begun. Amen. Bishop is going to train you and send you out. You're going to become a lay pastor. Ladies, 
You're going to preach powerfully. The young men, you're going to preach powerfully. God is going to use you to be a blessing to other people. Hallelujah. Wherever the Lord will send you, tell the Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to come. Amen. At the end of this service, I want all of you to have come and see the bishop. She will speak with you. And we are going to start a special lay pastors training program with you. This is going to take a long time. We are going to pace it up to make it possible for you. And God is going to use it. Five years from now, you will be so happy that you responded to this order. Clap your hands for the Lord and go back to your seat. How many of you know that Jesus is a human Jesus? How many of you believe that Jesus will bring you to life? Now listen. When it comes to healing, it's very easy. Because Jesus told a Syrophoenician woman that healing is bread for the children. Healing is bread for the children. So healing is very easy for God, for Jesus. Jesus Christ is a healer. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He still opens blind eyes. I've seen blind eyes open. He still heals barren women. He still removes tumors and cancers. Tonight, he's here to heal you. Lift up your hands. Place your hand by the sicknesses, the organ pain gently, and now Lord, touch your people. Touch your people now. I command pain to leave in the name of Jesus. Pain in the joint, pain in the back, pain in the stomach, cancers, the spirit of barrenness, I bind in the name of Jesus. Let women receive their children.